I'm here with Dr. Paulus, and uh, you you just joined ba- uh, Baden like this this year. So I mean, you're you're the newest uh, religion teacher, and you've always been in religion. This isn't like a spur of the moment type of thing. And like, how did you get into religion? Like, you're yeah. a doctorate of theology, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I guess my interest in religion really stems from my early life. Um, my dad, especially, was a very uh, religious person, um, and more more concretely, he was um, he was a pastor of like a charismatic church, yeah, um, in Virginia. And actually, he he himself was uh, raised Catholic. Came from a big Catholic family. Yeah, uh, eight you know, eight of them total. Um, went to Catholic school his whole life, grade school, high school. Uh, actually, just this summer, I got to see his grade school. Uh, on on a way back from family vacation, we stopped um, where his mom was buried, and his grade school was right next to it. But anyway. Uh, in when he was um, in college, just like a lot of people in his generation were searching for something, yeah. and he kind of did the hippie thing. And then um, sometime in the early 70s, uh, had this dr- pretty dramatic conversion experience Yeah, um, with uh, a lot um, to do with the miraculous as well. Like uh, the community he was in was experiencing these like I guess what he would say would be very dramatic outpourings of the Holy Spirit and also um, seeing spiritual signs the exercise of spiritual gifts and so for him this was like this like living religion yeah whereas the Catholicism he had grown up with felt to him kind of dead yeah. or I mean, he's never said that exactly yeah. like that, but that's the impression I get that it yeah. just wasn't that meaningful to him. Yeah. And so, um, when he had this experience as a young man, um, I think he found like he thought he had found um, something living, something real, something that he could kind of see in the pages of the New Testament. Yeah. And so uh, he kind of. There was a community forming in Central Virginia in the early '70s around this kind of charismatic movement, and he met my mom through that, and then went on to. Um, I think he was a student. He was a student at the University of Virginia in religion, funnily enough, <laughs> and um, he uh, ended up deciding that he should. He felt like God was calling him to pastor um, a church in Central Virginia, that was kind of connected this thing going on so that was the context I grew up in basically with parents that were um, I mean my mom my mom had also been raised Christian but Episcopalian and I don't know how much you know about Episcopalianism but like especially in Virginia at at the time at that time that was very much the establishment religion Um, very like have you heard the term wasp you probably heard that yeah white Anglo-Saxon Protestant so it's like you go to church, your country club is like nearby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and oh, by the way, you know, Jews and, and blacks are not allowed at the country <laughs> club, you know? So yeah. it, that's kind of the milieu that she grew up in. Yeah. And I think like a lot of people in her 
in both their generation, it was like she kind of rejected that, yeah. that kind of establishment yeah. religion and also just establishment culture. It was yeah. kind of materialistic, focus on status. And so they both kind of came together around what they've, I guess what they um, experienced was like very authentic kind of living religion. Reliving, not, and they wouldn't even call it religion, living faith, living encounter with Jesus Christ. And um, so I was born in that kind of context. The church was kind of small, but very like intense community. And, um, uh, and so, um, you know, uh, my dad pastored that church for, I guess, until I was about seven or eight. And then he actually went to seminary and, um, and while towards the end of his time in seminary, he met a guy who had been, uh, who was from Croatia, who had started a a seminary in Croatia. And, um, he, the guy invited him to come teach in, at the seminary in Croatia. And uh, so uh, so our family moved over there, yeah. and Dad took this job there. But it was at a time where there was like a lot of conflict in that area of the world. Anyway, I, I'm kind of laying out my whole life story, but I, the reason I'm doing that is just to explain, like, for me and for my family growing up, religion was not a kind of idea. You know, yeah. it was something that was like... It was like implemented in your life. It, it was yeah. very much in our life, and it very yeah. much shaped the decision that my parents made, which yeah. were which were not um, just go with the flow yeah. kind of decisions. Gotcha. They were like sort of risky, or, or at least they were bold decisions, I guess you could say. Yeah. So, so... So because of that, I, I, I think I always had the sense that religion was real that yeah. that faith is something real that it's something worth staking your life on yeah. um and but what the charismatic tradition that my parents were that kind of raised me in what it doesn't have much of is much of an intellectual tradition yeah and so as i got older and kind of started asking my own questions one of the things i really hungered for was a kind of deeper connection to uh, the life of the mind i wanted to connect religion and the life of the mind yeah and so when i went to college um i started studying philosophy and it it immediately gripped me um um, i remember my one of my first classes in college intro to philosophy class all we did the whole class was read plato that was the whole class like just you pick up play. We, we spent most of the time reading the Republic, and I was like, I was just really gripped by this experience of of education as um, something that wasn't really just about grades and like and like credentials, but as something that was um, uh, like transformative, like, yeah. you know, philosophy, I might, I don't know if I said this in class, but philosophy means the love of wisdom. Yeah. And so, so what I'm trying to chart out or the reason I'm going into philosophy class is I was like, okay, this is, this intellectual tradition is really interesting. And I think this is like, this is a good guide to the truth about the world. But for my, 
growing up experience, I had this experience of faith that seemed like, well, this is a good guide. You know, like this is what life is about, yeah. like religion. So for me, the question was like, is there a way, do these two things meet? Like, yeah. does the life of the mind, does the intellectual journey ever touch faith? And um, that became a kind of like quest for me. Yeah. Um, because all these all these famous scientists they yeah. tend to be atheists, correct? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, it probably. No, I'm just thinking I, of the I most famous ones, like in that off the top of my head. I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, certainly there are many atheist scientists, but uh, you know, but Einstein, it, for instance, was like, I don't think he, he was a, th- a theist exactly, but I don't think it would be right to call him an atheist either. Um, but definitely there's a sense, I think, and maybe this is what you're getting at in popular culture and our, our image of science is that it is um, kind of a self-sufficient um, intellectual enterprise yeah. and that that you have to choose between science and yeah. religion. I don't know. Is that kind of what you're yeah, getting I was, at? I was thinking because a lot of people like these two cannot coexist. Yeah. Sort of like... I yeah. cannot take that really advanced like medical and all that type of science now. Like a lot of yeah. people cannot get past that. Like especially like all the fable. Like people call a lot of the myths like fables because people can't get behind. Like for instance, that all these people back when like Noah's Ark. Like Noah was hypothetically people are saying I don't know five hundred, one hundred around like that age and like. How can that be true kind of thing? Yeah. How could people do that? And, you know, like, especially back then, like folklore and myths, like we know that, that and how Mm -hmm. other religions, like poly religions, like kind of had interpretations for Mm -hmm. explaining how like the world worked, Mm -hmm. that they, they aren't true. And that's Mm -hmm. just how it is for those religions. And like, they like the people i don't know if this is right but the people like later came out and they're like yeah like this isn't we just wanted a way of interpretation on making people's lives easier because they don't have to worry about a higher being and they just want to praise a higher being because they can't really control any of the real world they can only control their life and they can't control like natural disasters for instance like they want to give a reason that and right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One interpretation of religion is to see it as a as a method of trying to control nature, or if not control nature, give an explanation for yeah. why nature is uncontrollable. Yeah. I, I, it sounds like that's where you're getting at. I think um, that's certainly been one interpretation for for religion, and um, I, I mean there might be some truth to that. Um, I, I don't know. I mean. I, there are different theories about what religion is and how it functions. Yeah, um, yeah. religion, as we discussed in class, can be a wide variety because I've seen people try to make spaghettio monster religions. Uh huh. Uh-huh. What's that called? The the um pastafarian? No, yeah, pastafarianism. Yeah, yeah. is that the it's name? Of it? it just it's so weird, and I mean, sure, if you go and believe that, I'm not going to really criticize you, but it's it's just like religion could be anyone, anything, and anyone truly mm-hmm. if you make of it. And 
like spiking down other religions, I feel like you should, like, as a, you know, member of society, you should, like, look into a little bit of every religion and maybe take a little bit. That's that's what I said for my essay when I did it. Uh, gotcha. Like, looking into, you know, I don't know, Hinduism or Buddhist, like, uh-huh. inheritance uh-huh. and believing, you know, like, karma and that stuff. Like, all those religions kind of have really good values for a person that I think if you just lived a moral life and kind of were able to live a moral life and I'm getting jogged off by this one question. So I'm just going to hit it with you right now. Yeah. In fifth grade, yeah. th- my teacher believed that if you didn't get baptized, you're just going straight to hell. Uh, and that really scared me uh, to uh. get like baptized and go into the Catholic faith. And I mean, for uh-huh. like a lot of people do like religions, like, uh, like practicing. Out of fear. Cath- yeah. Like that's, kind of the background a little bit to me at least what yeah, i hear yeah. is for catholics is like it's a lot of it's like yeah you're there's going to be a little bit of scariness to it like because mm-hmm. you don't know what the afterlife looked like and if somebody's telling you as a kid like people told you your whole life if you don't get this or that then you're going straight to hell like eternal damnation is scary. a scary topic and what are your thoughts on like that specifically, because I don't. Th- I think if you are truly just a good and moral person, mm-hmm. and you don't like harm, try to go out your way to harm other people in your other days of life and mm-hmm. all that. Like, I think you should have some type of, even if like purgatory to fix the things that you might have not. Like, because no one's perfect, and I think that right. even s- things like the Ten Commandments, like other religions, don't have a strict you know thing laid down for them it's i think they should be able to bounce off of that yeah i mean there's a lot of different layers to your question and to the thought i mean i think first of all i would say that um you know your grade school teacher i think was mistaken um (laughs) and uh, and i say that because i mean um I, you know, I'm a Catholic, obviously, and Catholic religion, like, this is just straight catechism, like, this is not just me making, kind of giving my own opinion about it, but um, the the basic thought in Catholicism is that, in the end, God is the judge, yeah. and therefore, we don't know for certain the destination, really, of anyone. Yeah. Um, there are many Catholics who will be damned, and there are many non-Catholics who will be saved. And so, uh, so like the idea of equating, um, like in 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 the Catholic faith, as you know, baptism is the sacrament of salvation. But the Catechism has this line. I'm I'm not quoting exactly. I'm kind of paraphrasing it. But it's like, God, um, God associates the sacrament of baptism with salvation. He he binds. I think he says that he binds the sacrament of uh, binds salvation the sacrament of baptism, but the Lord Himself is not bound. And what that means then is that God God can God can choose to save whom, whomever He pleases. Yeah. It's just that ordinarily He uses baptism to do that. But I think I mean the broader question about judgment and like what what does it require to like. So the next question, I guess, would be like, well, is it, is it sufficient just to be a good person? And I think, 
the the Catholic Church has kind of said, well, no, not really, because and the reason is that for one, most people just really aren't that good. Yeah. I mean, the, the the common human experience is like, yeah, we might be pretty good, you know, 70, 80 percent of the time, but everybody screws up badly yeah. at some time. Yeah. And um and so uh, the way the way the Catholic Church has tended to make sense of it is to say like God will God will have mercy on um, God will make a way for those who who don't have any access to him to be saved. Yeah. Um, we don't really exactly know what that is, but if people are doing their best to follow their conscience and to act in accord with their conscience and are acting in accord with the light that they've been given, then I think we can hope that that God, they'll be saved. But behind kind of what you're saying, I think is also another larger question, which is like, well, is like, is there any, it's like, are there really going to be a kind of final judgment, you know? And I mean, this is obviously one of the most controversial points of, of faith, but um, I think there are pretty good reasons for it, uh, or, or good reasons at least to think that it might be true. Um, one of those is that um, it's like, you know, there's a lot of injustice in the world. Yeah. And if, if those injustices are not righted in the end, then it's kind of a morally meaningless universe. Um, so that's one kind of philosophical argument that is persuasive to me about, I don't know, why the idea of judgment is kind of makes sense. It seems probable. Yeah. Even even on grounds that aren't like the Bible says so or yeah. something. Yeah. Anyway. Like I another thing that I was like I wanna say a like a deep practicing Catholic and yeah. I, I, I go to I went to I still go to Sunday a lot with my dad. Like uh-huh. that was kind of our routine. But yeah. Like th- some, one time I was watching this like social media has a big influence and I was watching this one show. It's called The Good Place. I don't know if you watched it. No, I've never seen it. But it's I knew going into it, I was just like, I'm just gonna watch this, like whatever, yeah. it's something new. And it, it talked all about like so this girl, she dies and she goes to heaven. You later find out that she wasn't, and then she was, like, kind of getting tormented the whole time, like, Mm -hmm. during, like, Mm -hmm. the so-called heaven, and, like, the show really, like, put a twist on, like, like, because it had some really good theories, like, their way of, like, judging people was, like, you basically had to do more good than do wrong, and that's, like, even, like, your effects, like, you may not mean it, like, you dropping one thing on the ground or... And it, like, you know, the butterfly effect, like, it gets worse and worse. Like, you don't know all Mm -hmm. your, but, like, say, like, you throwing trash away has turned so many places into landfills for trash and Mm -hmm. that, like, your life and all that, like, Mm -hmm. has accumulated to this. And it's exponentially, like, worse than when you started because Mm. even though you do a lot of good gestures, you're probably doing a lot worse by just even existing. (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of a scary thought. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
yeah, the effects of what you do are, are I think that's right. Or you really don't know. Yeah. Um, good and bad. And gosh, that really, that really sucked when I was watching it. Cause it, I want to say it opened my eyes, but it, I mean, I think it kind of scrutinized to a point because I feel mm-hmm. like there has to be a little bit of leeway for mm-hmm. like, sure. he doesn't know that throwing away trash or like right. not saying that you become a right. saint from recycling and all that. Right. Like, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. But there's definitely like some sort of system that should be applied for when you're like a judge truly like the judgment, yeah. whatever it is. I don't know, but yeah. that was a good show. So. Yeah. That's interesting. But yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I feel like the saints show that. Do you think saints like every saint that's been, you know, nominated and gone through, do you think they all are truly good people? Cause man, I could just like, like you truly have to be a good person. Like some people, you know, do all this and say all this just because mm-hmm. they want to look like a good person, but mm-hmm. like deep down, they're not really that type of person. Mm-hmm. Do you think that is a part of, cause I'm sure they're maybe, I don't know if the saints, like you can't ever know what's going inside their head, but you can like one of them, I, I'd say maybe a couple of them at least are putting on a front just to get that, you know, and maybe they, they liked living that life of giving all the fame and glory for doing this. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, from a like outside, just kind of um, every I don't know what what the word I'm looking for. Like from the, from the perspective outside yeah. of faith, yeah. it, it, it w- I think it's pretty hard to make a judgment. But in general, it's hard to make judgments yeah. about people. You know, it's yeah. like you, like you're saying, you might think somebody's one way, but it turns out they're, yeah, they're, not, they're, they're really bad. Or you might think somebody's not such a good person. It turns out actually they're, they were pretty good. But yeah. I guess with the saints, um, I suppose the thing that gives me comfort, what not comfort, but like one indication that, um, well, basically, I think what I'm trying to say is the church actually really cares about getting it right. Yeah. And so you may know this, but like there's like a there's a advocate yeah. for the saint usually. But there's also like a, a there's somebody tons, whose job it is. Yeah. There's somebody whose job it is to like poke holes in yeah. the case for oh, their yeah, sanctity. I, yeah, I remember that. So it's like at least I don't know if it's still that way and I'm not an expert on this. So I hope I'm not saying anything that's false, but that's, it used to be that there was this kind of juridical, almost adversarial model for determining whether or not somebody had lived a life of heroic virtue. That's the first criteria for, for declaring someone a saint is they lived, did they live a life of heroic virtue and a lot of research and time and money goes into like, figuring that out yeah. and that's way before you get to the miracles and yeah. and that kind of thing. So, I mean, I guess we, I could say, um, I, I, as a matter of faith, I, I believe that the saints of the Catholic church truly are saints, but uh, as a matter of just reason on its own, I can see that the church really wants to get it right. Like they're not interested in just elevating people to that status just for the heck of it. Um, now has this always been a thing? Cause I, I feel like especially in more recent years mm-hmm. when people kind of get way more analytical and get yeah. critical on stuff like that, like 
especially because now like you can't say the same things you could right yeah yeah um i'm sure the process has changed but i I would just be making stuff up. I, I don't yeah. know exactly how it's changed or, or what the details of it are. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. Um, I was thinking, like, well, this is on the topic of religion, but, like, what are your opinions on, like, radicalist religions? Because mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, religions that, like, Japanese religions, obviously, they, they said... Like, do you ever think that some people make these religions just so, and they make, like, certain rules just so they can get, like, the people to do what they want, sort of? I'm sure that happens. I mean, uh, sure. Yeah, definitely. That, that we, I mean, we know from recent history that's, ha- like, you can pinpoint certain movement, uh, cultic movements where it's, like, some leaders just kind of on a power trip and convinces people to, yeah. to follow him. So I, I think about it a lot. Yeah. The like kamikazes and all that, mm-hmm. like those people dedicated, they, they gave up their life just so they could crash a plane into the U S or whoever they were mm-hmm. fighting. And that's just like, I don't think any, reli- I don't personally think any religion should like give up like a lot of, you know, um, religions like especially cult-like religions Mm -hmm. like have these theories where you're going straight to heaven even if you don't you don't got to live a great life you don't even if you just give up your life Mm -hmm. doing Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. and like a lot of those i i don't know i don't know if they're still successful like there in japan i'm not sure any yeah i don't know either honestly tyler i mean i think um I mean, I. It seems like if that's a pre- it's a misguided kind of yeah. religion. Like, it's a it's a way of thinking about religion that separates it from morality. Yeah. And really, I guess from from truth in a way. And um. Uh, there's there are definitely a lot of religions like that. Um, Was that like? I'm not sure. I'm probably asking you, just shooting answers you don't exactly know, but it like. In the Japanese, do they, uh, I'm just wondering, maybe you have an answer, but, like, would they have that same set of, like, religion, like, uh, like, if you die, like, fighting for your country, was, was that always around, or you think they just changed that for World War II, or, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. But. It's a good question. It'd be interesting to find out more about that, but I don't know the answer to it. You you spent a lot of your life and or not a lot of your life but three years you said in mm-hmm. the first day of class of in Croatia is yeah actually four when I was four. a kid yeah and a kid were you did you say you were sixteen I was when I moved there like, I was twelve I was t- oh yeah yeah definitely I was almost twelve when we moved I was almost sixteen when we moved back so about four years um, yeah that was hugely influential in my life um i so when we moved there it was 1992 there had been a war there in 1991 um and there was when we moved to osiak the the city we lived in um I, you could hear gunfire at night now it wasn't 
it wasn't actually people fighting. It was actually soldier, like soldiers shooting their guns in the air, like yeah. drunk soldiers. <laughs> but you could, um, but you could also find like shrapnel in the streets, and and many of the houses on my street had been um, damaged by bombshells, or I mean, um, uh, mortar fire. In fact, the the house that we moved into um, had had a um, uh, a shell come through the roof but it didn't explode. And that was before we moved there, but it was only like, it's probably like six months before we moved there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you get it. You just open the front door and it's just, it was like, it would like came through the root. You could like go out of our bedroom and go to the other side of the top floor and like look at the spot where the, <laughs> where it come through. But, but anyway, yeah, that was a really interesting, um, formative experience. Um, Partly because it was just living in a different culture and and I had to learn a new language and yeah. um, and then I was also with a lot of kids who had lived through the war, which I really hadn't. I came afterwards, gotcha. um, but um, yeah, that was really interesting. Um, and then we moved back to the United States when I was almost sixteen, and then I went. I've, I was in tenth, eleventh, twelfth grade in the states. Gotcha. Yeah, and. Did like what were the people like? Were they is it a lot is it a lot different now than it was? I haven't been back in a long time, but then it was um it was pretty different than the US for sure. I mean it it, Yugoslavia had been a communist country or communist is probably the right word for it, but it wasn't under the Iron Curtain. Um and it had so it had been a relatively prosperous communist country and a relatively um to other communist countries, like, had some religious freedom. Um, but, um, but it was, uh, but it was, the standard of living was way lower than it was in the United States. And the people were good people, but, um, but yeah, it's just a very different culture. Yeah, because I've heard, well, I want to go to, college for travel nursing oh cool and i want to like travel like different countries i'm yep. super huge i i need, yeah. i got them all like memorized by name cool and where they're at and stuff that's awesome and like just like looking out i was looking up today just for this podcast that the yeah. population is four million and yeah ohio is a 12 almost 12 million yeah and does that play like a, a role in like do you it's a smaller area right it's right by the coast right so part of Croatia is, is right up against the coast, yeah. but the other part is is really kind of inland um, and borders Hungary um, and, uh, well, I guess now Bosnia and Serbia. So um, it's all – I'm trying to think of a – it's a weird shape. It, it, sometimes it looks like a bird flying yeah. almost. <laughs> but, but the coast is gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 just, I see that's all the front. You got to go there. Yeah. And – I mean, they got they got good food over there. Pretty good, yeah, yeah. Is it, it is, is actually it, it is good. It's it's but it's like very hearty. You know, it's like oh, it's yeah. like is um, there a lot of fish since it's by the coast. It tends to be the the coast is a lot of fish. Um, I where we lived was uh, inland, and it was you know a lot of like we have like schnitzel and oh. like um, like potatoes and and pickled vegetables and 
and things like this. But yeah, the coast is a lot of fish. It, it's the food is actually awesome, but it, it's like it's very like domacha, which means like homemade and like hearty. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. yeah, and coming back to America was that like a huge like you had to? Did you ma- mainly speak what it what language? Croatian? Yeah. When we were there, I did mainly. Um, you know, with my family, I would say I spoke English, but okay. but with I was spent a lot of time with my friends. Um, his kids in Croatia have tons of freedom, oh, and really? so I was just hanging. You know, even when you're even as a young kid, yeah. you're hanging out with your friends all the time. Yeah. So yeah, I spoke Croatian, and it was strange coming back to the United States. Um, yeah. For one, I'm I mean, the biggest thing was socially. Like I'd just been used to. We would walk to school, to and from school, yes. and we'd hang out before and after school, and play soccer or whatever, you know, just mess around. When we moved back to the States, it was like, if I want to go hang out with my friends, I have to get my mom to drive me somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And it, it sucks because, you know, like America is like genetically or genetically engineered for cars really. Right. Yeah. 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 And if you don't have your license, it's, you're kind of stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And coming back, did, did you like, you came back to where you were originally from, or was it? Pretty much. Um, well, we came back to Central Virginia, um, so I didn't actually. It, we did not come back to where I had been living, so it was kind. Of, it was pretty much a new place, new, new community, new school. Yeah. Um. Your timer hasn't gone on, so I'm gonna keep going. Keep going. But. <clears throat> doesn't always have to be continuous like this um so i have this picture it's kind of the um when you when you started like uh like teaching university Mm -hmm. and you decided to switch over to high school obviously Mm -hmm. um what what made you make that switch i mean the the short answer is i I don't know if you know how how it works, but basically, you know, um, well, let me just say more straightforwardly, I I wasn't I wasn't able to get a a full time tenure track job at a university, and so I kept thinking, next year I will, next year I will, and um, in the meantime, I would adjunct, which just means you're like on a contract to teach a class. Yeah. So I would sign three or four or five contracts each term at a different universe, different universities. And, um, and I always thought, well, I'll do it just this one year, one more year. And then next year, you know, I'll, as I apply for jobs, somebody will hire me. But, um, what, what I thought would just start as one year, turn in another, turn another. And then last semester, um, last spring, I, um, or actually last fall, a class I was supposed to teach got canceled at the last minute, and that left me with just a couple of classes to teach, and that really wasn't enough for my family. And so I decided that I would start looking into teaching high school. Yeah. And so that's that's really how I made the decision. Did you teach your classes? Because, I mean, religion kind of is, personally, 
like I think a lot of it should be talked out because that's just or did you like lecture it more? Um, I kind of a mix. I mean, it kind of depended on the class. Like, um, I, so for a long time, especially at Miami, I taught a class in religious ethics, which is actually one of my favorite classes to teach, and that's pretty much all discussion based. Um, and uh, I love that class. It's a really fun class to teach. I I don't know. I'm I we'll see, but it may be a class I teach at Baden at some point. Um. But uh, that's mostly discussion. But I also like, um, and I taught philosophy classes, just kind of, especially philosophical ethics, which is much more discussion based. Yeah. But then um, I've, I've taught a world religions class a number of times, and that tends to be more lecture, which honestly is not my favorite way of doing it. But. Um, the problem is when you teach world religions, there's so much information yeah. that people need to know that are just yeah. like basic facts. And you can't really get into the deep stuff with integrity until you kind of know the basics. Yeah. And so, um, so anyway, that, that class ends up being lecture with some discussion. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of how ours is. That's right? kind of how ours is at the moment. Um, it may open up more, but, but, um, I kind of feel a responsibility to like make sure everybody knows just yeah has a basic like literacy. Yeah. Um, it's not as interesting, but it you kind of like. Yeah, and I I I know that like typically I know you're probably not you're used to lecturing for hours and hours and able to like keep going and yeah I know you always get cut off by the bell and every yeah, class it yeah. Seems like <laughs> yeah it drives you crazy. <laughs> Like it's already over, and yeah. you just started getting into it. But yeah. that that's been a probably a part of the switch, just yeah, class after class after class, and you you don't got like much time to get out what you want to say. You gotta yeah talk faster or whatever. Yeah, but <clears throat> well, that pretty much. Uh, do you have any questions for me? I mean, we keep going. It's up to you. Um, yeah, I don't know what uh what um. So y- you've been at Baden all four years, yeah, right? Yeah. Do my, you none of my family has like gone here or any of that. Oh, it's really? How did you end up here? So I I went to public school till third grade, and then I, I, there's some sketchy stuff going up at my public school, and then uh-huh. I was like, I switched over to St. Joe's, and then I kind of uh-huh. you know rode the rail up to whatever it was, third grade to eighth grade, and then okay. I was like, I want to go to just want to go to Baden because that's what everyone yeah. else was going to in all the feeder schools. Right. Yeah. My sister went to Fairfield, and she's only a couple of years older than me, but she went to Fairfield even when I switched over, and then she went to Fairfield all through high school. Mm. And mm. She's She probably want to made a legacy for coming here because she's smart and all that. But That's cool. I'm a, I, I try, but. That's cool. Well, yeah, good, for, good for you. Did, so, were you? Was your family Catholic? Were you raised Catholic? Yeah, I was. No. So, I wasn't like my parents weren't like super like we would go to like Christian stuff and uh-huh. we would. It was more like Christian non denominational, and it was right. like we would go to certain things, and we would definitely go like on holidays and all that for sure. But it wasn't like becoming like a weekly thing until. Uh-huh. I went, and I was never, like, baptized. I was baptized for Christian, but 
for Catholic like now, and I had to like restart the whole process. Like huh. you had to do. I was in like um, seventh and eighth grade. Seventh going to eighth grade. A lot of kids have like their confirmation and th- that in eighth grade, and I had confirmation, first communion, and um, what is it, baptism, all in the like same time. Because mm-hmm. so basically you would go through the system and you would go I went to St. Julie's and I really okay. like St. Julie's. Yeah. And I would go to mass with my family and then afterwards we would go over to the building next to it and we would like talk about what happened like in the scripture and then we would learn more about like the faith and yeah. Like we would spend like an hour or two after mass yeah. and some days were like really sp- long and strenuous <laughs> and other days were like really like nice and like short and it was like yeah. I got to learn a lot, but I learned definitely like a lot about the faith. Like I feel like more than anyone that went to my feeder school like learned just because yeah, you know I was getting packed with information on like what yeah. was going on and all that, and I, I I became very interested in like how things go, and I do like the Catholic proceeding of mass, and it's like mm-hmm. really like kind of strict and like formal, and mm-hmm. I I like that, and but I also like you know different bits and pieces of different like religions just yeah. yeah how they do their stuff yeah i mean i think the cool thing about ca- ca- one of the many cool things about catholicism is you know it means universal yeah and so it's it has arms uh that are wide enough to embrace whatever's good anywhere you find it it doesn't mean that obviously it's not like mass is going to like change to embrace like traditions yeah. from every religion but it does mean that it's like it's not reactive, like it's it's a fundamentally like a kind of embracing thing. I mean, it, it it it's not soft, like it doesn't it distinguishes between truth and falsehood, yeah. but it also it's generous and hospitable in as much as um, it want it wants to promote whatever is good, whatever's true, whatever's beautiful in the world, yeah, wherever you find it. Yeah, and it's it's a lot different from other religions because I didn't know until you told me it was um, the Jewish, like mm-hmm. Jewish, a lot of, there's different like parts of it, but mm-hmm. a lot of it stays, you said, inside the family mm-hmm. and they don't really like welcome, well, they welcome new people, but like they don't like encourage people to go out. Right, it's Judaism doesn't tend to c- encourage conversion. I mean, people do convert, but yeah. it's not a, it's not a, it's not a missionary kind yeah. of faith. Yeah. And it's right. it's interesting cuz like I don't understand how, you know, you could go on for that long mm-hmm. that certain religion be around for thousands of years mm-hmm. and you're like, well, we don't really like go out of our way to do. It. And it's just like the strong there's like still like really strong Judaism and like areas like mm-hmm. heavily populated mm-hmm. with, you know, this certain mm-hmm. like belief and all that and it's like because there's you kind of tend to get a little bit of like you can tell somebody's Jewish like by the way hmm. they uh you know like the, I'm not saying like like the yarmulke and all that stuff right and yeah 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 the way you know they eat and stuff and, but like Catholic is like way like any I could go in the yeah. street and be like yeah, anyone's yeah. Catholic yeah. yeah that's right yeah it's Catholicism has always been that way it's always had um because it's universal it it's take takes root in every nation yeah um and so like there's actually a really er- famous early letter um which 
I'm just paraphrasing right now, but it basically makes exactly that point that Catholicism like takes on, it sort of incarnates itself in the different human cultures all around the world. So you can't know a Catholic by what he eats or what way he dresses or what kind of ethnicity, like what kind of ethnic background he has. Not really. Um, it's, it's sort of like it's present in all these ways, different places and ways. Yeah. And I, and like, um, I was, I was super intrigued. One of my friends told me that he was Muslim mm-hmm. in my work and, I was super intrigued by, I, I kept asking him like all these questions and he was like really open to answering them. And mm-hmm. even though he, he was dating this one girl and I was like, do you like care if like passing on the religion? And he was like, like I, like he was like strongly believed that he would like, yeah, like whatever, even if his like, like wife, future wife or whatever, like he was super into like converting them. And that's like, super different from, you know, other religions like Judaism and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all that. And yeah, yeah. And he was telling me his prayers, and I was just super intrigued by it. It was, yeah, it was a little brief, cool. but because he ended up switching over to a different place. But mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's an, it's religions are, are fascinating. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like, though, that to me, the, like, the enduring question is, like like what's true about the world and what how does religion like fit into that yeah and 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 also what can we learn like from from the perspective of religion about the truth of the world um anyway yeah i know it's great that a lot of people have something to lean on because i see even like prominent today, like people my age, like find like a super belief, big belief in like God and like having like always having something there for them. Mm -hmm. And that's like a main, you know, thing that Mm -hmm. people are like saved. Like, yeah. And they say they're saved by. Yeah. I mean, I, this brings up another thing. I mean, kind of another topic. I, in some ways, I think a, a kind of a danger to true religion is to see religion as a coping yeah. strategy. Yeah. Um, and I would say, unfortunately, many people think of it exactly in that way and, and have their religion as a way of coping with, with life's difficult, almost like there's a kind of therapy. Yeah. Um, and um, I think it's kind of a danger because it, it, I mean, it's it, you need to be able to cope with life, obviously, and and religion, faith in God can help with that. But like, I think a lot of people think that that's kind of where it begins and ends. Yeah. Um, whereas for me, I think what I'm keen to like press on or like to hone in on is the idea that religion and that there's a that the question of the truth and the question of religion are need to be put together. Um, and, um, if all religion is, is a coping mechanism, then in a sense, it's, it's just another ideology. Yeah. And if it's another ideology, is it the best one? Well, maybe so, maybe not. (laughs) But anyway, I, I think it's important to see whether, or I think I'm interested in, in exploring religion as something beyond ideology because we have a lot of ideologies. Yeah. And um. you wouldn't 
per se sway people into not like well if you wanted to them to grow their faith you would rather like them I grow want, their faith I want people to pursue the truth yeah I think that's the most important thing yeah and I I'm not um I mean obviously I'm an ardent Catholic because I came to it as an adult and through your many years of searching um and so I think Catholicism is true I I love Jesus, um, uh, um, and um, I uh, am profoundly shaped and moved by him, but um, I don't want to... John Paul II said the truth, uh, the faith has to be proposed, not imposed. And I'm, I'm interested in exploring and helping people to like investigate that proposal that faith makes and do you think it's different for every everybody else or is it there's one truth and it's universal or is it i think that i i think that there is there is a religious truth about the world um and it's kind of that's kind of um uh bound up with the the notion of truth itself um and so i don't see the religions of the world as just different symbols all pointing to the same thing. Because if you look at the different religions, they clearly contradict each other in yeah, many points. Yeah. Um, so, should probably I gotcha. cut off. All right, well, I appreciate you coming out and visiting the Tyler Roden podcast. And thanks, thanks for having me, Tyler. I appreciate you having me. It's been fun talking to you.